This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. I have been extremely lucky on my journey with this podcast to chat with some really amazing people. And new people come to the podcast every week to listen. And so what we want to do with these lessons is take the little golden nuggets, the really important pieces of each conversation and bring them back to life for you. So hopefully it can change your mind, affect the way you think, or potentially give you a solution to a problem you're facing right now. I want to go back to something you said about scaling out the business and you talked about only being reliant on you know um, paid advertising as a startup and talk because I understand it but talk about the relationship between between those two things because obviously in a startup you you're not buying lots of the product you know the the, the amount of product that you're bringing in the uh, the quantities you're gonna you know your margins aren't going to be there but then obviously Facebook and and the advertising space um, you know it's not as cheap as what it once was so the idea of and I'd love for you to talk about it, the idea of that relationship between those yeah. two kind of yeah. moving moving parts. Yeah, that's a great question and a great topic to discuss. And and I, I'm going to you know talk to my rule, which I have have in the books. It's my 50, 30, 20 rule. So when you're going into a new business um, in e-commerce, you've got to be aiming for a 50% gross margin. So you know my my definition of gross margin is the the landed cost of the goods plus you know merchant fees and let's say you're outbound your courier cost your cost to deliver the parcel you've got and GST is never in these equations so you've got to be starting with a fifty percent gross margin after those those costs you've got to aim to spend thirty percent or less in running the business so your operating expenses which by that I mean your wages your rent your marketing all those sorts of things. And that'll leave you with a 20% net profit. And that, that, that's a good benchmark for e-commerce businesses, you know, big and small to aim for. So that comes back to, all right, um, that's probably going to leave you with maximum maximum 15% to spend on Facebook. And so I'm talking about 15% of your revenue to spend on Facebook and Instagram. So that's, um, that's enough for a good product. If you're finding that you're needing to spend more than that, you're probably not getting the cut through in your product. But just going back a step, what that really means is, is one, you mentioned margin. You, you, I would delay my launch until my margins are there because there are many businesses that I've seen who start up all $50 million a year who are operating on 40% margins in the hope that scale will fix margin. Scale never fixes margin. They're variable costs that go up with revenue. And it, it, I would always just say, just go back to the drawing board, delay your start until you got your margin. Your margin is your wiggle room. The better your margin, you can afford to spend a bit more on Facebook and stuff. Yeah. And then as well as, as you know, paid media, that relationship, we need to detach ourselves from that a little bit. And, um, you know, if you are a startup, for instance, the hype phase, what I'd call the hype phase is crucial. Think about a Kickstarter campaign or an Indiegogo or, a, you know, one of these sorts of crowdfunding things. The majority of revenue is raised on the first one or two days because the 30 days prior, they're hyping the hell out of the product or brand. And I, I, I see too many businesses launch, nobody knows, just dark launch, like, oh, I launched a site. Oh, <laughs> Where was my text message? Where was my, you know, you've got to lean into, you've got to hustle. You know, some of the best online businesses, they're hustlers. You know, they started by 
at the markets. They started out of their garage. They started by bugging their family and friends on WhatsApp. Mm. You still got to do that. I mean, um, you're paying one, two, three dollars a click through paid uh, paid marketing channels. Well, do what you can for free, mm. and um, and that sort of growth hacking. People are getting lazy. You you got to go back to that, and you got to you got to never never forget the hustle because um, that's where the good the good operators have come from. So back to the fifty thirty twenty rule. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we can kind of I want to because I do love what you're saying, and I completely understand it. Um, and so the marketing spend that we're talking about is actually coming out of the operating costs. Is that factored into that? Yeah. So some people put that as your. Um, uh, as part of your cost of sales, uh, typically I don't see that in accounting in e-com. So yeah, your marketing would be, if I'm talking about 30% operating expenses, your marketing and your wages are the, the two biggest items that'll that'll fall within that category, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And so obviously the bigger that you get the, your gross margin, the more room you've got on the other side to, to scale out. So when you're talking yeah. about your operating uh, and your marketing expenses, that basically means, well, you know, if my gross margins are 60% or 70%, yeah. it usually means I'm going to be able to spend a lot more to acquire a customer. And Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And the, the best businesses that I work with who are, who are turning over good money, but more importantly, putting more, the most money in their pocket are businesses with a, a gross margin of over 50%. So what, what does that mean when you're looking at, remembering gross margin includes merchant fees, cost of sale, fr- outbound freight, you know, Post or whatever. So what does that mean when you're sourcing a product? You've got to aim for a 70% margin on when you're sourcing. So when you're talking to your factories or you're scouring Alibaba or doing what you're doing, you, you should be aiming for a 70% margin landed you know so if i land this for x i've got to make a 70 percent margin when i sell it and then after you add the freight and the cost of sales and stuff then it'll come down to 50 but when you're doing your negotiations crunch your numbers on xgst 70 percent. now the catch there is that if you're selling a brand like if you're selling alcohol brands or you're a middleman you'll never get that margin so i'm, I'm speaking specifically here to people who are like oh i want to go to china and start a brand so if you're starting a brand 70% margin on your products, 50% margin on your GP, and you'll if it's a decent product, you've got a good good shot. But if you're coming in with a gross margin of under 50 or a product margin that's like 55, I'd have serious concerns about the longevity of that 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 brand in a in a pretty competitive market. That so it's really interesting like that for me is the most important thing in any business even in the yeah. service based business like that's kind of where I come from is in service you, you same thing like it's how do you get your gross margins to 60% minimum um, and that's you know everything factored into producing the revenue in the service and yeah. then same thing but I just I, I love that you kind of and I mean look if that's in the book that's the reason that's yeah, one yeah. reason that probably out of a bazillion <laughs> that you, you're going to go and buy it because if you can get that right yeah it just makes your life so much easier and yeah. I think the thing that I learned was like it is so hard to reverse that the yeah. deeper you get into the business as well. Yeah, it's almost impossible. And, yeah. and you made a good point earlier when you said that, um, what, does that, what does that gross margin mean? Well, the higher your gross margin, the more you can spend to attract customers, to acquire customers. What does that mean? You grow faster, you scale quicker. So your gross margin is the most important metric in e-commerce and probably the least talked about. Can we talk about the other side of gross margin then as well, which is price? And understanding pricing but more importantly how do you demand so, so i mean look it is a it's an interesting dynamic to understand these relationships but i would imagine that when you're sourcing a product 
you then obviously you go, okay, well, how do I get to that 70%? And I'd love for you to talk about, I guess, the marketing side of it as well and yeah. and the branding side of it as well and, and how that plays into potentially getting you that 70% if it's if it, if it can't be done, you know, based on yeah. market dynamics and, and the product. Yeah, so that's, that's a good point because, you know, I might have my 70% product and um, the retail price that is spat out of my calculations is not competitive. Now, that, that, that is also not advisable. So the magic kind of balance is, yeah, I want my uh, 70% margin, but my retail price still has to be competitive. Not cheap, but competitive. And so how do we... Um, if, and firstly, I would steer away from products that are price-driven for the most part for a, for a startup. Yeah, so if you're coming in saying, yeah, I'm going to do dog beds and there's a million of them on, on Amazon, you'll just never win. You'll, you'll never win at that game. Mm. So it does, it does also talk to the importance of finding a, a niche, you know, and they, some of my best clients have these crazy niches, you know, kids, toys that help them sleep or, you know, b- bizarre things. Just they've found something, you know, it's this morning I was speaking to, to non-alcoholic um, spirits company and just find your niche. Really important. That makes everything easier. But, if you do want to try and get a little bit of wiggle room in your margin and price on the higher side, what you've got to do is build a moat around your brand or your product. And I think I'm not interested in really selling commodities like, oh, here's a T-shirt or here's a dress or here's a pen or here's a bottle. You've got to sell a story and a brand. And I think being a, a building a brand take is hard. So essentially, if you go into e-commerce, you've you probably got two jobs if you're creating a brand. Create an e-commerce business and create a brand. And by the way, there's not many people that are good at both. So I often see great brand people come in and they've just butchered their margins and you're like, oh, you, you just need to work on the business side. And on the other side, you see some corporates who might have other businesses go into e-com and just chuck anything on the site and very, very no identity. That doesn't work either. So it's finding that, that balance. But building that community, I think, and that's part of the motor you know, pr- that protects your brand to say, well, nobody can attack me because I've got X, Y, and Z. And, and a great example of that is one that I mentioned to you earlier o- offline, which is G'd Up Clothing. They've built a community that um, is untouchable, you know, and, and they, they've got, they, they talk the talk, they, they understand their customer. They, yeah, there's other streetwear brands out there, but these guys understand, they live and breathe their community. They are their community and, and they cater to their community. They listen and, and the sales are reflective. They'll, they'll drop a product and it's sold out sold in, out, yeah. in a couple of hours. And um, yeah, it's a nice product. It is, but it, it's a great brand and, and you can't fake that. It's, it's, that's very, very difficult um, to build, but it's worth the, the, the time and the investment. And so the word moat, right, mm. just for those who don't, like I, I, it kind of as a as a as a theory, you you kind of understand it. We're we're protecting our brand. Yeah. What are some examples of of moats? You know, so is it? It, it could it be anything. Is it as simple as saying, well, what can we do that our competition can't yeah. or are not willing to? Or, or yeah. you know, is there specific yeah. ones that you kind of see that happen regularly? Well, the, the it you know building a moat. You know, and for those that don't know, a moat is a p- pool of water that goes around a castle. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't get in. Um, and that's, that's what's protecting your brand and, and it's your value proposition, I suppose. And yeah, it can go across different things. So I just spoke about G'd up and I, I think their community is their mode and the fact that, you know, it's impossible to copy. I think for other, um, other businesses, you know, like you know, 
Drummer Boy, who's a non-alcoholic spirits company that you know, I'm, I'm a shareholder of. Give, give, them, a, give them a check out. They're, yeah. they're pretty cool. But again, trying to position themselves in, as an early mover in non-alcoholic spirits. So that in, their moat is we're one of the first to, to do it, you know, and they're making it in Sydney and all that sort of stuff in a, in a distillery. Um, but let's think about the iconic. They're selling every brand under the sun. So you sort of think, well, there's no moat there. You can, you can get that stuff in DJs, you can get it in Mai, you can get it anywhere. But the logistics experience is incredible. And so they've built a business in my, and so is Amazon, you know. So your, your moat uh, could be your logistics experience. So there's many, there's many op- opportunities for businesses to, to double down and protect their brand. And the, uh, in, you know, it, in my experience as well, the moat, like building a moat necessarily isn't just one thing. It, it, it may be one thing at that one point in time, but normally you look at Amazon, right? And they're probably the best moat builder. If we call it a moat builder, yeah. <laughs> the best moat builders of all time because yeah. they just keep doing things to, to kind of create the flywheel and, and keep it going. But yeah. In my experience, it's always a few things or a, a, a different thing at a different point in time based on the, the way the market moves. Because you said it before, like you probably don't want to be stuck selling a commodity. Mm. And at, at, at some point, everything gets commoditized, right? Mm. Like, you know, um, uh, Davy Fogarty, you know, the Udi and, and yeah. the success that kind of happened there. But I think, you know, you, you already see people are coming in and trying to rip that off and, yeah. and so on. So I think it's a good example of how nearly everything gets commoditized. And if you're first, that's great. Probably means you've entered the, you found product market fit, you've entered the right market. But um, Totally. Dave is a good example. It's like, yeah, how, how do you find it? Like, And, and you're right. It, it's a series of different um, solutions uh, for the customer. And, and it could be a series of different moments. It could be, your customer service is faster than everybody else's. It, it, it could be, you know, your adore beauties who send the Tim Tams out with the pack. You, you can find multiple mm. moments that all add to the experience. And that's an interesting idea in itself that customer experience isn't like, yeah, we've got a fast website. My, from, in my opinion, customer, customer experience is made up of, ser- of a series of memorable moments. That could be your packaging. Your packaging could be better. Your delivery could be faster. Your customer service could be on video instead of on live chat, whatever. Um, that's where people need to be creative and say, what am I doing that others aren't? Like, why would people come back to me? And that's a question that I ask. I challenge to businesses that I think are also maybe not quite ready to go, ready to scale. You say, yeah, well, but I can get that elsewhere. Like, why would I come back to you? And the answer that always comes back, and I made this mistake, it often comes back. I made this mistake earlier. Say, yeah, yeah, but my, my products are, are good at a, at a, a slightly better pro- price. Yeah, better quality and better <laughs> price. I'm like, oh, that makes me think about when I started my shoes. And I was like, oh, they're a better quality and a better price. And I was like, oh, that's a bit of a, a, bit of a cop out. And everyone says that. It needs to go beyond that. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um I mean, we're in a startup now, so I, I'm thinking these things are all things that I've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks. 